From the capital city, I'm Kevin Allen. A search and rescue operation was undertaken just before 2 p.m. Tuesday at Middle Point for a small plane that had went into the water on the backside of Douglas. The airplane's occupants were reported swimming to shore. The U.S. Coast Guard responded on scene as well. Frank Jim and his daughter Lovey were in the airplane that was first to arrive on scene. He says they saw the plane as it approached the water. Notice a plane coming across the other side of the bay. We were meeting each other almost at the same time, and I thought that plane was a little bit too low going down from being flying way up there, and I finally stepped on my daughter, Lavelle, and told her there's a plane across the middle way from us, and it looked like it's going down. Jim says he saw the plane hit the water and flip over. All of a sudden it hit me, flipped over. He told the pilot, so they turned back around. He circled around the plane and you could see those guys swimming to the beach. Jim says he reported the plane crash to the U.S. Coast Guard. Called the Coast Guard and verified uh, right where the plane crashed. Send the numbers off the map. The occupants of the plane were taken to Statter Harbor to receive medical attention. There is an increasing level of concern about the availability and affordability of housing in the community. The Assembly Committee of the Whole took up a report on the issue from City Planner Scott Chambor. According to Chambor, the city and borough of Juneau has roughly 14,000 units, estimated to include 8,400 single-family homes and 5,200 condo and multifamily options. Chambor says the opportunities for those returning to Juneau from afar is declining. Mayor Beth Weldon says a plan to track short-term rentals is being implemented. We have... Uh ask the attorney to do a couple things. One, to draft an ordinance that you have to register and if you have a short-term rental and we'll um, see that moving forward. And then we just ask for a lot of information back um, trying to figure out what to do this. Weldon also spoke about another ordinance that would control the creation of short-term rentals. We also had an ordinance drafted that if you use city money, the $6,000 for the accessory apartments and built an accessory apartment that you cannot use it as a short-term rental. So we don't want public funds to go towards people using short-term rentals. There is a concern surrounding the Ironman Alaska Triathlon that is coming in August. Another topic that we hear a lot about is more concern about a short-term use of housing for Ironman, uh, the large event that's coming in August. Uh, it opened up a, another demographic uh, who wanted to house athletes that they may know or be good stewards in the community to all of a sudden say, hey, there's not a whole lot of housing uh, to, to, to provide for these folks. And that seems to be a constant conversation of, of how to um, house folks for that short period of time. Chambor says all these pressures are causing costs to rise and options to dwindle. All of these other pressures uh, increase the demand for uh, and availability and costs for rentals uh, for the populations that we already know struggle with getting housing uh, in the community, uh, vulnerable, uh, low-income households, uh, many of who called our offices about being displaced uh, because some sort of housing is being used for one of these other purposes. Short-term rentals impact communities around the world, not just Juno. Short-term rentals has been a discussion, again, worldwide for a very long time. Uh, it's well known that there are impacts whenever a housing stock is changed into use as a short-term rental. 
and there's a list of all of the impacts that 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 it, it can have. Uh, obviously, housing supply we know, affordability, um, impact to seasonal housing and availability, uh, public health and welfare issues, nuisance issues, uh, easing or adding to the pressure of, of tourism, uh, and then coexistence and competition with with hotels uh, and BMBs. City planner Scott Chambor made his remarks during the Monday Committee of the Whole meeting. So that is one of a number of really major pieces of legislation that the Alaska State Legislature passed this year, and, and I think this one's tremendous. That's Juno Senator Jesse Keel on Action Line referring to the Crisis Now Bill, or HB 172, which aims to address mental health response in the state. Keel explained that current law has people who are experiencing a crisis would be evaluated for three days or sometimes up to a month involuntarily. Keel said that when the bill gets signed by the governor, there will be more options and less restrictive approaches to get people stabilized. So um, that will include 24-hour crisis stabilization centers. It'll include up to one-week crisis residential centers, right? Um, we will still have mental hospitals, and that's API in Anchorage. Bartlett has a locked mental health unit here. Fairbanks has one. Um, but we'll be able to get these shorter-term options in more communities. And... It's very important. We worked on this bill hard to make sure that not only does everybody keep the civil liberties and the protections that you have now, we increased them, right? We actually put more safeguards for civil liberties into this bill. Keel said the next step with the bill is prevention. It's going to really help people who are in a genuine mental health crisis get stabilized and get back to their lives sooner with more protections for their civil liberties. Now, the next thing we need to do that's not in this bill is more prevention, more treatment, so that we have fewer crises in the first place. But Bartlett is already moving in this direction. Anchorage mental health providers are already moving in this direction. This is the right way to go for handling these crisis situations. Meanwhile, he spoke about the funding passed during the 32nd Alaska Legislature that will benefit the city and borough of Juneau. Keel says there is money for harbors and the state office building parking garage. There's $2 million uh, to finish the work on Aurora Harbor. The city will match that dollar for dollar. Um, there's $5 million to help uh, replace the parking garage by the state office building, which is crumbling, right? It's, it's getting close to the unsafe stage here. Not there yet, but we've already put some patches in it, and they're not enough. That's going to be a partnership with the city, and the rebuilt garage will be larger. It will both meet the state's parking needs, that's why there's $5 million from the state in it, but also public parking needs. And the city is looking at reducing what they require of developers for parking downtown. That new garage will meet the need. Deferred maintenance will now be addressed at UAS, and Keel hopes the governor will not veto that funding. A new mainline ferry replacement is also in the budget submitted to Governor Dunleavy. There is money for ferry maintenance. There is $30 million in that budget to begin the design and replacement of a, uh, of a mainline ferry, right? We just saw the Malaspina go by, right? We need to replace our mainline ferry. We're about 25 years past due, right? So this is $30 million from the state. That will match a lot of federal money. It's going to take a while, but, but we're getting that process started um, better late than never. Regional education funding is also dealt with in the capital budget. There's a million dollars for the uh, Gaston Elementary. I think that's Saik, it's a uh, Tlingit name, Gaston Elementary School roof. 
Um, there's also uh, elsewhere in our region, in our district, there's some money to help replace uh, fire alarm systems in Chatham School District, so that's going to help out Gustavus and Cluckwan schools. Um, there's money for some major maintenance at Haynes High School. Um, you know, and, and, and we could run, we put about $100 million statewide into maintaining school buildings. That is desperately needed. It has been years since we have invested in that. Juno Senator Jesse Keel made his remarks well a guest on Action Line. A Juno man has been arrested on suspicion of trying to import drugs from Arizona. Here's Juno Police Lieutenant Craig Campbell. On May 31st, 2022, members of the Southeast Alaska Cities Against Drugs Task Force located a suspicious parcel being shipped to Juno in the mail from Arizona. A search warrant to open the package was obtained, and it was determined to contain 134 grams of methamphetamine, 40 grams of heroin, and 264 grams of counterfeit oxycodone suspected to contain fentanyl. On June 6, 2022, CCAD delivered the package to its intended destination, a P.O. box in downtown Juneau. The package was picked up by 55-year-old Luis Guillermo Arce and brought back to a boat in Harris Harbor. Upon opening the package, Arce was contacted by CCAD task force officers and detained. Arce was later taken to the Lemon Creek Correctional Center and held on the following charges. Two counts of misconduct involving a controlled substance in the second degree, a Class A felony offense misconduct involving a controlled substance in the third degree, a Class B felony offense, and criminal mischief in the third degree, a Class C felony offense. The seized narcotics have an estimated street value of approximately $107,200. Also, Juno police arrested a local woman in connection with a DUI Monday morning. On June 6, 2022, at about 1.52 a.m., the Juno Police Department received a report of a motor vehicle crash in the area of Mineral Loop Road in Montana Creek Road. Responding officers located the crash, which involved a single motor vehicle, a silver 2015 Ford Focus. The vehicle was located off the roadway, in the bushes, and had sustained significant damages. A bus shelter in the area was destroyed and appeared to have been struck by the vehicle when it went off the road. Responding officers determined that no occupants of the vehicle had stayed on scene after the crash. Officers attempted to contact the registered owner of the vehicle at a residence in the 1200 block of Glacier Highway. Officers spoke with the owner of the vehicle and learned that it had recently been driven by 29-year-old Regina Marie Lederer Rinaldi. Rinaldi was located at the residence and had been the sole occupant of the vehicle. Officers learned that Rinaldi had been in the area of Sandy Beach earlier in the day and had consumed alcohol. She drove to a residence on Menhall Loop Road around 10 p.m. and continued to drink. She left the residence around midnight and drove to the residence on Glacier Highway. While driving around a curve in the roadway on Menhall Loop Road, Rinaldi became distracted and lost control of the vehicle, driving off the roadway and striking the bus stop. Rinaldi was uninjured during the crash. Rinaldi was placed under arrest for DUI and failing to provide immediate notice of an accident. She was later lodged at the Lemon Creek Correctional Center. Juno Police Lieutenant Greg Campbell. The Committee of the Whole also took up discussion about the 1% sales tax and about a spending plan to build a new city hall to the voters. Mayor Beth Weldon spoke about the 1% sales tax and what it would go towards. Lots of things on the list. Um, the 1% should garnish us about $60 million. Um, so all kinds of things from sewer pipes and uh, wastewater pipes to um, uh, parks and rec, deferred maintenance, um, the school district, even put more money on the affordable housing fund, um, 
and uh, our goal last night was just to check the list and make sure that nothing was left off the list from the stuff, all the emails we received, and we decided the list was complete, and there's lots more on the list than $60 million, of course, and... Um, and the voters will get to weigh in on a new city hall. We had a presentation from Northwind Architects on just a simple conceptual design, and we are making it a simple building. This is not going to be a Taj Mahal, so to speak, um, very energy efficient. And um, we just looked at that, and um, uh, Mr. Bryson made the motion to forward that to the voters and with a parking garage right now, it's $41 million without a parking garage. It was about 38 and if we do a variety of things, the number that we send to the voters to approve changes. So um, we'll get, we're going to finalize that number here in a couple weeks. Juno Mayor Beth Weldon made her remarks during the KINY Morning Show. Waste Management provided their quarterly update to the Juneau Assembly during the Public Works and Facilities Committee meeting Monday afternoon. There were three odor complaints in 2022, and according to Waste Management, that number is unchanged from March. Jim Denton of Waste Management urged residents to report odors to them. Uh, So three for this year, and uh, we're still asking that people uh, call the 907-780-7801 number uh, as soon as you smell the odor if you if, if you do uh hopefully you don't <laughs> but uh, if you do please call uh it helps us uh kind of narrow down where things are and what's what's going on and uh, kind of gives us a, a place to attack the problem waste management explained that odor complaints received days after it is lodged do not assist them in identifying the source and noted that the three complaints were not reported directly to the landfill Waste management reported completing six projects, including repairs to their flare system. Denton explained that the flare collects gas that has odor and destroys the methane. As for planned projects, Denton said they're going to be installing 25 to 30 new landfill gas wells starting next week. That's important because we're going to be digging three-foot diameter holes in the landfill. That waste is going to come up as we dig those holes, and there may be odor. So we just want people to know we, we've got to get the landfill gas wells installed to be able to collect the gas. And unfortunately, we have to dig a hole in the trash to, to get it in and get it put in. So just be aware. If, if you do smell something, let us know. We have ways that we can use an odor neutralizer around the hole when we do that. But uh, sometimes when it's raining, it's it doesn't work as well as it, it does. So be aware. Jim Denton of Waste Management made his remarks during the Assembly's public works meeting Monday. Canoes landed at Ock Wreck yesterday afternoon following their week-long journey to Juneau. The group consisted of canoes from Juneau, Cake, Haines, and the Interior. We spoke with Liz Medicine Crow regarding their journey. She said they started at Kikwan near Cake on May 30th. Their first overnight camp was at Wilson Cove. And then they arrived at Angoon on the 31st where they also overnighted. There was strong weather that impacted the journey on Monday. It was blowing southeast. We're coming up Chatham. So we were we were bucking some white caps. And um, and then we came around. We, we had to be towed because it got too dangerous. So we had to be towed and uh, came around Point Retreat. And then from Point Retreat to our um, last campsite last night over on Admiralty Island on the northeast side. We were just fighting, fighting the tide the whole way. 
it's really bad. The wind and the tide gave us some good chop. (laughs) You know when you're canoeing with a full team of people and it looks like you haven't passed one rock for, you know, 20 minutes? Yeah. We're just like, we're like just barely holding our own here, you know. So we scrambled the canoes and we switched some people over so that our canoes had enough balance to get us all the way through. Also joining the group was a full youth canoe. A first in the landing was students from Gold Belt Heritage Institute. Medicine Crow said the Jane Ann was their safety vessel. It joined the Lady Louise during the landing at Ockwreck. She said the journey was about 135 miles. The landing seeks to imitate past traditions, as explained by Lyle James. This is to imitate what our ancestors used to do when they would travel from community to community in their yacht. They would come in and they would do a call and they would announce who they are before they come to shore to the hosts. And the hosts in this case were the Aquan people. Aquan spokesperson Fran Houston said the tradition must be kept alive. We're trying to, in, in, I think in my words, we got to keep this alive. Because if we don't, it's lost. And as long as there are people out there that can do that and keep it going, it will be fantastic. Houston thanked those that helped organize and support the event. And that's what it's all about. We need to support one another. So I'm going to tease to all of those individuals that helped make it possible. And I feel that from the bottom of my heart. And it worked out. Worked out to be a fantastic event. Never miss a story or a newscast at KINYradio.com. Now you're up to date. For News of the North, this is Kevin Allen.